that don't know, I am a proud daddy today. My wife had her baby this week. And just a quick moment of, wow, what you girls go through. I'm telling you, I think if guys had to do it, planet population would be zero right now. I mean, there's just no way uh, incredible. Um, Probably shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway because my wife is not here this morning. (laughs) So I could get away with it. We'll just delete it out of the podcast. Um, So she was actually, we were a scheduled C-section and we get in there and the doctors are doing their thing and they have this cool little, it looks like a pen with this metal tip on it where I guess they cut to make the incision. And um, because of the C-section, her water hadn't broke yet. So they're doing the work, and there's a doctor on this side, a doctor on this side, and the pediatrician's right here, and I'm kind of standing behind him at, at this point. And so when he goes and that little metal cutter tool hits the water, that thing shot out without exaggeration, like a good four feet, and soaked the pediatrician. I mean, it was just a full-on wave of just like, yeah, she's surfing, you know, she's going to be a surfer. And uh, just soaked the pediatrician, and it was just awesome. The doctors were all laughing and had a good time, but she's doing really good and uh, really healthy little baby. And um, So I'm a tad bit sleep-deprived this morning, so there's no telling what you might hear. <laughs> so with that, let's turn to the book of John in chapter 13. Um, John in chapter 13, starting at verse 34. Um, this morning, what I'd like to do is kind of start something that is going to leave you a little bit um, leaving this morning kind of, mm, he's not quite finished. Are you sure that amen should happen at this point? There needs to be a little bit more to this. And there's a reason for that, because I want to do kind of a three-part thing here leading up to Easter, really looking at this verse that we're going to read in a minute where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so today I really kind of want to look at the way. Next week we're going to look at the truth. And Easter Sunday we are going to look at the life. And so at the end of this, it's going to be a little bit like the Lord of the Rings trilogy where it's a good movie. But at the end you're like, no, it's not supposed to end here. So I'm going to do that. So you have to come back next week and then the week after that. And especially this guy over here, uh, Kevin, I want to say a special welcome to this guy. He's coming all the way from... Uh, North Alaska or no, Wisconsin might as well be North Alaska. I was close. They both a lot of snow. So Kevin's joining us and uh, he's going to drive again like 30 more hours to to be back next Sunday. Uh, Kevin was with us in in Mexico and this guy's just amazing. Uh, He has like 12 kids too, right? How many kids do you got? Three. Okay. I was again, North Alaska. It's all, it's all good. Um, welcome. Yeah. So welcome. Glad to have you this morning. Um, John chapter, did I say 13? Okay. John chapter 13 and verse 34, Jesus speaking. And he says this, a new commandment I give to you that you would love one another as I have loved you, that you also would love one another by this, by this, all we know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him and said this, 
Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Uh, and, And then continue with chapter 14. I'm sorry, Michelle. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare this place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you have known the Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long now, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. So here we have this, uh, a little bit of background on this portion of scripture. Jesus has uh, getting ready to face the cross. This is, uh, he's had the last supper. They've had communion together. He's gone and he's washed the disciples' feet. Uh, Everything that he's taught the disciples up to this point is leading up to the cross. This is the night before. uh, uh, They're they're hanging out together. And Jesus is beginning to give them this teaching. Now, Judas has already kind of left the room and he's going to betray Jesus. And so Jesus is speaking on the verge of being arrested. These are the things that he is telling his disciples. And he starts off by saying this, I am going to this place. And I love how Peter says, wait a minute, pause. Hold on a second. Where are you going and how can we follow you? And Jesus says, well, listen, you know where I'm going. And to which another disciple says, wait, hold on, hold on a second. We have no clue where you're going. And so how are we going to be able to follow you? See, this portion of scripture is it's comforting to all of us that are teachers, whether if you're a teacher at a church or if you're a teacher in a school setting or if you're a teacher in college or, or wherever, even in your own home. It, whenever you find yourself teaching, this should bring us incredible comfort because Jesus is giving this teaching to his disciples as, hey, you should know all this. And which the disciples are saying, wait, hold on. We have no clue what you're talking about. Wait a minute. You, you say that we do. We have no idea. And this is comforting because This is the greatest teacher that has ever walked the planet. He has given the greatest sermons. He's taught the greatest lessons. Um, He's given illustrations. He's given stories, examples. And yet sometimes there are these moments where the people leave and they're still kind of, "Mm, 
I'm not sure if I quite got that. I'm not exactly sure. Have you ever had those moments where someone's speaking to you and you kind of, they've assumed that you, they know what you're, you know that they know what they're talking about? Like, for example, whenever I go to the uh, Tim, Tim Fortuna, our bass player, he has a uh, wood shop. And I'll, I'll start to talk to him about, hey, I have this idea and I want to build this. And then he starts throwing out all these like woodworking terms. Like you've got to do, I can't even, I don't know the words, you know, dovetail and cedar joint and, I, you know, all these things. And I'm just sitting there like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And I don't want to look dumb because maybe I should know what these things are. And finally, the other day, after four years or something, I finally said, listen, I just got to be honest with you. I have no clue what you're saying. This piece of wood, you know, do I nail it here? That's all I need to know. I mean, you got to talk to me, you know, you know, seventh grade level, third grade level, Lucas level. This is where I need to be at because I, I have no clue. Um, and so that's kind of what is happening with Jesus is there's this moment where he's speaking to them and they're just clueless. Sometimes it's like me when I talk to my mom about electronics. There's this look on her face. She has no idea what I'm saying. If you could turn on the power button, mom, that would be great. And some of y'all are like, huh, because y'all have no idea about electronics either. And, you know, oh, call customer support. Lucas is not your customer support. But there's this moment where Jesus is speaking and the disciples, I love the fact that they're, they're comfortable enough with Jesus to say, hold on, wait a minute, we need to pause here. You're saying that you're going somewhere. We, we honestly, we have no clue where you're going. You say that we're supposed to know the way, but listen, Jesus, we actually, we have no idea of the way to get there. And so they're, they're raising these, these valid questions. And Jesus has said, okay, well, let, let's make this clear. And there's something about the way Jesus teaches that is a far different from anything that they've ever heard. I mean, just like last week, we looked at Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mountain, where Jesus gives a brand new definition of really what it means to be blessed, of what it means to, to, to walk in the blessings of God. He gives a whole new teaching of, listen, you've heard it said by those of old, but I say to you. And so there's a way that Jesus do, does things that are a little bit different from the norm, a little bit different than what we're used to. And Jesus has a way of taking everything that has been turned into this list of rules and regulations of what they would call law. And he has a way of matching that with spirit of saying, listen, this is not just the way it's written, but this is the spirit behind which it was written. Uh, A good verse of scripture is in second Corinthians chapter three that really matches up well. Says We have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as members of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So in other words, there's this new way of doing things. There's this way that Jesus has come in and brought and said, listen, it's not just the letter of the law. What makes you a Christian isn't that you just follow the Ten Commandments. 
What makes you a Christian isn't that you, well, I don't steal, I don't kill, I don't commit adultery. It's no longer this kind of ABC thing. But Jesus comes in and says, listen, there's a whole spirit behind this that I want you guys to understand. I want you to get. There is a new covenant. And it's what we just read here in chapter uh, in chapter 13 of verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, here's what's amazing about this, is that this is not new at all. As a matter of fact, we could rewind, and this is all the way back in the book of Moses. This is, one of, this is something that the people would know, they would understand, they would have it memorized. And so when Jesus is saying, listen, this is something new, this is, it's, it's something that the people knew, but there's a whole new way of looking at it. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm about to marry what you've just taken as checklist, well, we'll call Christianity, and what was really meant by this, and I'm bringing them together. And when I bring them together, the the people say, well, well, what does that mean? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When we wonder what our way is, it's Jesus. When we wonder what truth is, It's Jesus. Now, here's the amazing thing about this statement. He is the only person that can make this statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is the reason why Jesus couldn't be just another good person. Jesus couldn't be just another prophet. He couldn't just be another guy that was a a, a really amazing person that walked the planet. But when he made this statement, I am the way, the truth, the life, it is very much uh, exclusive and inclusive all at the same time. In this sense, it's very inclusive in the sense of all are welcome. Jesus' arms are open wide. It doesn't matter if you are the worst of the worst sinner or if you think that you're the most heavenly saint. Everyone is welcome. But at the same time, it is very exclusive in nature that if you want to go to the Father, there's only one way. And that is through Jesus Christ. So that's something that's very much trying to shift right now in our society, that there are multiple ways to God, that, well, you could be a Hindu, you could be a Muslim, you could do all these these things, and all of these roads will lead to God. Well, not according to Jesus. Jesus says, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, listen, this is the way. Very much exclusive in nature. And it's saying this is a new teaching. And see, the reason why it's so new is because they've taken this old teaching and they've twisted it to suit their needs. They've taken all of the rules of what we would look at the book of Leviticus, we would look at Deuteronomy, we would look at these things of the Ten Commandments, and they've twisted it to fit their lifestyle. Now, we don't do that today at all, right? See, this is, this is the person that can quote Scripture backwards and forwards. This is the person that kind of uses their biblical knowledge as kind of like a kung fu to show that they are right and you are wrong. And all the time, some of the things they may be saying could be 100% right. But they've twisted it in such a way that it suits their needs, it suits their lifestyle, it suits their desires. And that's why there's so many issues that are breaking apart the church today. Because we're all trying to take the scriptures and twist them to, well, I I don't really think, when Jesus is saying, listen, there's one way, the way, the truth, and the life. When we begin to take the scriptures and use them as a basis to justify our own actions, we've missed it. 
we've missed it. And history has a way of repeating itself. It, happen, it was happening back then. It's happening, to that, happening right now. And we turn Christianity, we turn this amazing walk with God into a list of rules. And so now what happens is we have a whole generation of people that are not defined, especially I would say my generation and maybe younger, that define themselves not by what we do, but by what we don't do. Well, I'm this because I don't do this. I'm a Christian because I don't swear. I'm a Christian because I don't cheat on my wife. I'm a Christian because I haven't killed anybody. And so there's all these things of this is what I don't do. And so we're very much passionate about, passionate about standing for certain causes. We'll stand for things like injustice. We'll stand for things like uh, prejudice, different things that, that, uh, of these natures that are going on. But whenever you ask us, well, what do you stand for? Clueless. See, we've defined ourselves by what we are against, and we've never said, well, this is what we're for. Now, the natural outcome of that is when we live our lives totally just against things, we find that in the end, we become that very thing that we've fought so hard against. Because we begin to twist things. We define ourselves by what we fight against. In the end, we have no idea what we're fighting for, only what we're fighting against. And so when Jesus comes in and he's saying, listen, I'm giving you something new. He's saying this, you have lived your life according to a bunch of rules and regulations. And those rules and regulations have led leading to death. But you can now see them lived out in my life. I am the very context of all of these, all of these things, the very spirit behind it. In flesh and blood, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. So he makes this statement in verse 6. And then in verse 7, this, hap- this is what he says. He begins to clarify. If you have known me, you have known my father also. And from now on, you have known him and have seen him. And so, again, the disciples have asked these questions very straightforward questions to God. Listen, you're telling us that we should know these things. Truth is, we have no idea where you're going. We have no idea what the way is. And now Jesus says, well, this is the way, the truth, and the life. If you've seen the Father, then, or if you've seen me, and to which Philip turns around and says, show us the Father. And so which if you're the teacher at this point, you're thinking to yourself, seriously, again, let's go over this one more time. So let's put it on the Lucas level. And so Jesus begins to describe again to these disciples exactly what he is saying. He said, listen, if you had been with me so long, you should know these things. When you look at me, when you see me, you're seeing the Father. And they're thinking to themselves, what? Hold on. This doesn't quite make sense. And then he begins to describe this amazing framework in which he has lived his life. Saying, listen, these things that I do, I don't do on my own authority, but I've done from him who sent me. These words that I speak, these aren't my words, but these are the words of the Father. And so what, is he, what he's doing is he's teaching these people and he's showing them just how submitted his life has been to that of God's. Because the Father is in him and he is in the Father. He's saying, listen, when you see me, you're seeing God. 
and, and all of these things, all of these works, all of the, the healings, the miracles, all of these things, it's his work working through me. I don't do anything unless that's what he has told me to do. Remember, this is providing the answer to a question is, what is the way? How do we get there? Show us the Father. The, the, this is his answer to that. And, he, and he, he closes with, not closes, but he again illustrates with this. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Now, how many of you have ever heard the scripture, um, maybe heard it preached before, looked at it? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when greater works than these? Maybe you're beginning to think about, well, all of the miracles that Jesus did. Man, there's, he, he fed 5,000 people with some, a few, few fish, a few loaves of bread. Um, he healed lepers. He, uh, he turned water into wine. He walked on water, all of these things. And so pr- predominantly like, some of these things begin to go through our mind. But that is not the context in which Jesus is answering these questions. What Jesus is saying here inside this framework, one, these are questions that have been brought to Jesus. Of what is the way? Where are you going? We want to see the Father. Next is there's overwhelming knowledge in Jesus to his disciples that they will fail. Because Peter looks at him and says, listen, God, no matter where you go, I'm going to follow you. Jesus turns and says, listen, before the night's over, the, the rooster's going to crow. You're going to deny me three different times. So there's overwhelming knowledge that he has poured his life into these guys, and yet they will still fail. There's this, then there's this statement that Christ makes that only he can make that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, all of this leading up to say, listen, all these things that, that you've seen me do, you will do that much and greater. What if we looked at it from this point of view? What if Jesus is saying, all of this life that I've lived, I've lived in obedience to the Father. My way has been his way. Where he tells me to go, I go. And a matter of fact, we're going to see that in just a few minutes, wherever he's in the garden, he's praying, Lord, if there's any way that this cup can pass for me, let it be so. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so the entire life of Christ was one of obedience, of one of him saying, God, whatever you have for me, that way I will go. Whatever you speak, this isn't even my own authority, but it's the authority that you've given through me. His entire life. And so these, these disciples are asking these questions. Well, well, Lord, what is the way? Where are you going? And here's what he's saying. This thing that God has done in me, I'm going to do in you. Just as I found my way through God and me, you will find your way that I would come and live in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, the very life that Jesus lived, we can live as well. And what's greater about that? What's greater is God came and and, and the Father through Jesus in absolute perfection, never sinned, flawless Jesus. What's amazing is this, is that God would come in us, broken humanity. Even Peter that's saying, before this night's over, I'm going to deny him three different times. The amazing, the greater works is that God's going to do the same work through us. Christ in you. And so when people see you, they're going to see Jesus. Are we catching this? 
Because this, this is a huge game changer. And so what it means is it, it's no longer this idea of gold of, see, all the disciples wanted to is we just got to see the Father. And Jesus, if you just show us the Father, that will be sufficient for us. And see that now we've kind of flipped it to there's the other side today where we say, if, well, if we could just see Jesus, if we could just see Jesus in the flesh, that would be sufficient for us. And what Jesus is saying, just as back then, the same thing is happening now, except for if you want to see God, I'm going to do it through you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you want to see Jesus? Look around. That he would come and live in us. And so we find ourselves wondering sometimes, well, Jesus, well, what is the way? And which says, I am the way. That we would live just as he lived in obedience to him. And whenever he says move, we move. Whenever he says go this way, go this way. And the words that we speak wouldn't be on our own authority, but it would be the words that he put inside of us. The decisions that he made, everything that we're doing unto him. Christ in us. Again, Second Corinthians, he has enabled us to be ministers of this new covenant. This is a covenant that's not written by laws, but of spirit. The old covenant, this checklist Christianity, it doesn't work. It, the end of it leads to death. But this new covenant with the spirit, it gives life. And so in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And this is how the world will know that you are my disciples. See, who takes a light and hides it under a basket? No, they show it. They light up the room. A city on a hill that we would be the light of the world, Christ in us. The ways of Jesus are that he may come and take control of your life. That our lives are no longer ours to live. That the works that we do are his works in us. That the words that we speak are his words through us. That the life that we live would be his life through us. You say, Jesus, I really don't know the way. I don't know exactly where you're leading me. He is the way. And it's just as the Father was seen through him, the world will see Christ through us. And even greater works because he uses us, broken humanity. And today, I just really feel like God wants to remind us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If you would please close your eyes with me for a moment. See, maybe you're here and you've, You've just felt like you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. I've, maybe I've fallen too far. I want to remind you that Jesus looked at Peter and said, listen, you're going to deny me three times before the night's over. But listen, Peter, I want you to know it's okay. It's okay. Because I'm coming and I'm going to dwell in you. And through you, the world is going to see me.
This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come on.